0: Welcome to the Karuna Lab podcast. I'm your host, relationship and mindset coach, Alyssa Harris. On this podcast, we venture into how attachment styles shape all things dating and relationships. I offer guidance, deep dives, and practical tools to help you understand your attachment style and heal wounds from past relationships so you can build and maintain the healthy, loving relationship of your dreams. I'm so happy you're here. Now let's get to it. Hello, I am so happy you're here. On today's episode, we're gonna talk about an intro into attachment styles. What are they? Where did attachment theory come from? How are attachment styles formed? What are the four attachment styles and what do they look like in romantic relationships and why does it matter? My name's Alyssa, I'm your host. So let's dive into the history of attachment theory. Back in the mid-20th century, there was a British psychologist named John Bowlby, and he was really into psychology and evolutionary biology and where they met. That is kind of how he landed and discovered, for lack of a better term, attachment theory. So he really wanted to understand the deep emotional bond that develops between children and their caregivers. And he noticed that this connection wasn't just about kids wanting to be like fed and changed, but more about they wanted to feel safe and secure. His theory was really revolutionary for the time because at that time, Freud was in his heyday and he was all about psychoanalysis. Nobody was really putting much emphasis on the importance of love and security in childhood development. So then Mary Ainsworth, who was Bowlby's colleague, decided to take attachment theory a step further and she did this groundbreaking study famous now called the strange situation study and how that went was they put a child caregiver a stranger and some toys in a room and they observed how the child reacted when they were separated and they reunited with their caregivers and they found some really interesting stuff so from that experiment Mary Ainsworth identified three main attachment styles, secure, anxious, and avoidant. And secure kids were upset when their caregiver left, but they were happy and able to calm down when their caregiver returned. Anxious kids were super stressed when their caregiver left, and then they had mixed feelings and were really hard to calm down when their caregiver came back. And avoidant kids acted like they didn't care, Either way, whether their caregiver came or went. But deep down, once the physiological signals were read, such as perspiration, heart rate, all of those things, they realized that, oh, the avoiding kids are acting like they don't care. But physiologically, they are very stressed. They were just hiding their true feelings. So these two, Bowlby and Ainsworth, laid the foundation for understanding how Our earliest relationships shape the way we connect with others through our entire lives. And this experiment and subsequent attachment theory showed us that we need to be close to someone. The desire to be close is embedded in our genes and has a massive impact on our emotional well-being and development. We do know your early caregiver-child connection has a lot to do with the attachment style that you develop. But some research has come out recently that our genes actually may hold a little bit of the keys to what type of attachment style we develop, as well as our romantic experience as adults. So it's possible that you could have had an amazing childhood and had a secure attachment, but then gone into an abusive or a not so great relationship and developed an insecure attachment style because of situations that happened in the relationship. So let's go into the overview of the four attachment styles. Let's start off with secure attachment. These are the children in the strange situation experiment where when their parent left the room, they were upset, and when their parent returned, they were able to calm down, go back to playing with toys, and they were able to get back to an emotional equilibrium. They were able to self-soothe, calm themselves down, understand, okay, safety has been restored. In terms of relationships, secure individuals feel comfortable with intimacy and independence, and they're able to balance the two in relationships. And that's one way to really conceptualize attachment styles is to think about, now this is an oversimplification, let me just put that caveat there, but a way to think about it, if you haven't studied it a ton, is how do you balance intimacy and independence? And as we go through the different styles, I want you to listen for how much does this style value intimacy and how much does this style value independence? Those are the major differences between the three insecure styles and also why they butt heads a bit. So secure individuals feel comfortable with intimacy and independence, and they can balance the two in relationships pretty easily. Some key characteristics of a securely attached person is they have high self-esteem. They understand that when something happens in a relationship or there's an argument or a rupture, that it's not reflective of who they are. It's not that they're a bad person. It's just that they are having a disagreement with their partner. And they don't hyperfixate on the negative. They focus more on how can we get back to a shared reality? How can we get back to calmness, equilibrium, intimacy, happiness? What can we do? Where's the compromise where both of us are happy? They're kind of searching for a win-win when it comes to conflict they can also trust others pretty easily their outlook on life is more like you are innocent until proven guilty you know they kind of walk around with the belief that people are inherently good until people show you that they're not they don't necessarily walk around waiting for you to prove that you're good they kind of see the innate goodness in everyone and it's only when you show a different color of your character that they then note that down and say, okay, this person may not be somebody that I want to be in a relationship with because X, Y, Z. They're comfortable with closeness. So they are comfortable with intimacy. They're comfortable with cuddling. They're comfortable with emotional vulnerability. They're comfortable with emotional intimacy. They don't use physical intimacy as a fast track to emotional intimacy. They understand that in relationships, That last, emotional intimacy should come first before the physical intimacy, or at least along with the physical intimacy. They understand that you can't force emotional intimacy via physical intimacy. And they also have effective communication patterns. One of the things I teach my clients is the use of I statements, as well as the use of nonviolent communication. So, really checking, especially in high stress situations, checking for that blame, that shame, that guilt, that need to be right, the insults. They have effective communication, even in times of stress, even when they're arguing with their partner and they can identify what the real issue is and speak to that instead of hurling insults or using words like you always or you never because those types of generalizations can be really hurtful. So how secure attachment manifests in romantic relationships is they they are able to cultivate and build and maintain stable and loving relationships because they have kind of the seven pillars of the things that a relationship needs. And I'll do an episode on that because I believe there are seven ingredients to every romantic relationship and i'll do a whole episode on it but the ingredients just for your brain are care affection recognition respect commitment trust and open and honest communication and they're able to balance those and and create the proper mix for them and their significant other to be happy and to feel like they are thriving in the relationship and when the mix gets thrown off they're able to have open and honest communication around what's missing here, where was the issue, and how can we fix it? They're also able to support and be supported. They're not afraid to ask their partner for help. This is a big thing. All of the insecure attachment styles have an issue with being supported and providing support. So that's secure attachment in a nutshell. Okay, so now anxious attachment. In the strange situation experiment, the anxious kiddos were the kids who, when their caregiver would leave, they would cry. But when their caregiver would come back, they would continue to cry and find it extremely hard to go back to playing with the toys or go or calm down at all. Even though they were in the arms of their caregiver, everything physically was showing them that they were okay, that it was okay to calm down. But they just had a really, really difficult time calming down, and this was the key to showing Mary Ainsworth that folks with anxious attachment styles have an overactivated attachment system, so anxiously attached folks often worry about their partner's love, "How much do you love me, how much do you care about me?" and they seek closeness from their partner sometimes to an extent that can be perceived as clingy or needy. They are extremely sensitive to their partner's actions and moods. I think a lot of people that identify as empaths actually have an anxious attachment style. Of course, there can be some secure empaths and some avoidant empaths, but being sensitive to your partner's actions and moods is a hallmark of an anxious attachment style. Sometimes you can even see this as preempting your partner's needs in an effort to seek closeness and, and be appreciated by your partner. It can be a point of contention in relationships, especially if you have an anxious attachment style and you're coupled with someone who has an avoidant attachment style. That lack of appreciation that can kind of show up can become a really big issue. And I think it stems from you're going out of your way. You're spending a lot of energy being sensitive to your partner's actions and needs and moods and your partner's brain especially if you're in the anxious avoidant couple the avoidant brain just doesn't work that way right the avoidant brain tends to think I'm responsible for me you're responsible for you in arguments about appreciation you'll hear things like I didn't ask you to do that nobody told you to do that things like that which can be deeply hurtful for someone with an anxious attachment style, because of course you didn't ask me to do that. That's, that's the point. That's why you should appreciate it. You didn't have to ask me. So it can be a really, I mean, it can be a really circular fight when you don't quite know the actual dynamic that's going on underneath. Another hallmark of anxious attachment style is they need reassurance. I'm going to do a whole episode on the different types of reassurances, because I find with my anxiously attached clients, they know that they need reassurance, but they just don't know what kind. So it's almost like going to the grocery store and saying, just get me some vegetables. It's like, okay, do you want fresh vegetables or canned? Do you want squash or do you want broccoli? That's one of the things I work with them on is what kind of reassurance feels the best for you. And then you're able to set your partner up for success because you can tell them, hey, I really love verbal praise. I really love being told that I look nice. I really love physical reassurance where you hold my hand or you rub my back in public. I really love public displays of affection. Or I really love social digital reassurance where I love when you post me on your Facebook or your Instagram or your Snapchat. and." You compliment me in that way. I love showing up on your stories and seeing me there. You know, what type of reassurance do you like? Do you appreciate? Anxiously attached folks have a fear of abandonment. So, this is typically where your anxious attachment style can come from. Perhaps you were openly abandoned by a caregiver. Perhaps you felt abandoned. Maybe they were there, but they struggled with drug addiction or they struggled with losing themselves in relationships. They had their own anxious attachment style or disorganized attachment style that they were dealing with. And they would, whenever they were in relationships, they wouldn't be able to really be the type of parent you needed them to be. Perhaps they were workaholics. Abandonment can come in a lot of different forms. So when I say abandonment, I know that sometimes we can get really focused and say, no, my parents were good people or I was raised in a really loving home. When I say fear of abandonment or when I say abandonment, I really just mean you weren't emotionally held by your caregivers in the way that you needed to be. And that left an imprint on your nervous system and on your attachment system. So this need for assurance, this need for closeness, this need to seek this extreme closeness because we all have a need for closeness. We all have a need for validation. That is a human need, but the need for it in such extreme measures. I was talking to my husband and explaining to him because he has an anxious attachment style that it's almost like his reassurance bowl has a hole in it and he needs more. I need to pour in more reassurance then it's leaking out of the hole in order to keep him at an equilibrium. Otherwise, I activate his nervous system. I activate his attachment system. And that can cause issues. That can cause him to not be at an equilibrium and to be more emotionally uneasy, find it hard to focus in all the areas of his life because he doesn't feel like things are okay between me and him. So it's very important to understand if you have an anxious attachment style or you love someone with an anxious attachment style to be able to understand that need for reassurance and that fear of abandonment. They're also subject to emotional highs and lows. And the emotional highs and lows can show up in several different ways. For example, you may have a fight with them and they may go to, well, if you want to leave me, then just leave me. You know, and it's like we're just arguing about who's gonna do the dishes, like nobody's leaving anybody, but they can really go to that kind of extreme place because they want to preempt the abandonment. It can be really difficult to calm them down once the fight is over, once the argument is over, because they have an overactivated attachment system. So it's difficult to calm that down. And that's one of the reasons why in order to heal this attachment style and get to secure, you really have to have emotional regulation and nervous system regulation practices down Like you got to get them and get them good because you are naturally subjected to more emotional highs and lows. You are naturally subjected to if something's wrong in my relationship, it must be something wrong with me. That's kind of where folks with an anxious attachment style, their brains just automatically take them there, like one-way trip to, I am bad, I am not enough, this is not good, I'm going to get found out. They struggle with imposter syndrome. They often put their significant other on a pedestal, like, oh my God, this person's so amazing, I can't believe they're with me, I can't believe they chose me. And they discount or undervalue themselves. Oftentimes, where it's like, I'm with you because you're also amazing. I've touched on how an anxious attachment style can manifest in romantic relationships a bit already. Just to reiterate, that high need for frequent reassurance, love, and affection. This attachment style can also show up as jealousy and controlling behaviors. Because again, they've put their significant other on this pedestal. So they naturally think everyone else wants what I have and they devalue themselves. So they say there's so many other women, so many other people out there that are better than me, that my partner might like more than me. So those jealousy behaviors come out and those controlling behaviors come out, especially if your partner is avoidant, it can have the opposite effect that you want it to have where you can kind of push them away when really you're exhibiting these behaviors because you just want them close. You want to make sure that the bond is secure. And anxiously attached folks also struggle with perceived or real distance in the relationship. So long distance relationships can be really difficult for folks with an anxious attachment style. Oftentimes in long distance relationships, you'll see them coming up with lots of rules, you have to check in by this time, we may have to make sure that we do, we FaceTime every night, we have to make sure X and make sure Y, and when any of the rules are broken, it really sends them into a tailspin because they were creating this Jenga tower of reassurances, and when it falls over, now their attachment system is activated, and is this gonna last? Is this relationship feasible? all of these questions pop up that they need their partner to answer. So I would caution you if you've taken my attachment quiz and you got anxiously attached to watch out for long distance relationships or if you do get into a long distance relationship or you are in a long distance relationship, it's so important to do the work that's needed to shift yourself into a secure attachment style. Our next attachment style that we're going to cover is avoidant. So folks with an avoidant attachment style highly value independence and self-sufficiency, often at the expense of close relationships. So these are your commitment phobes. These are people who say that they're looking for the one, but maybe then you ask them, well, what are the characteristics of the one? And they have like super lofty characteristics of this person. These are folks who may have trouble saying, I love you, even after it's been a good amount of time, months, years sometimes before someone with a really severe avoidant attachment style will be able to comfortably say, I love you. They may leave things purposefully foggy and vague. And sometimes people, especially people with an anxious attachment style might see this as mysterious and, oh, I just, I just can't read them but in actuality it's, it's their avoidant attachment style and someone with a secure attachment style would just come out and tell you because they value open communication. So they're just not open books and they work really hard to repress their emotions because emotions don't feel safe. So in the strange situation experiment, these would be the kiddos who, when their parent or caregiver left the room, they would pretend they didn't care. They would look around, notice they weren't there and continue playing with the toys. And when they came back in the room, they would continue playing with the toys and act as if it didn't matter. Now, this was really perplexing to Mary Ainsworth until they did the biomarkers where they could see the heart rate and the breathing rate and things like that of the kids. And that is when they realized that The avoidant children were actually just as distressed as the anxious children. They were just working really hard to suppress those emotions because they had learned that connections were not safe. Perhaps they had a inconsistent caregiver or caregiver that was maybe abusive or preoccupied with something else. And treated them like a burden or just wasn't super responsive. So they learned it really doesn't matter. And I saved myself the trouble if I just don't get riled up about it. If I just don't show that I'm that upset. And it's interesting because my insecure attachment style was avoidant before I did the healing work and shifted myself into secure attachment style. It would feel like to my husband, who, again, is anxious. He would be really almost like poking the bear because the anxious person typically just wants a reaction. And the avoidant person has learned reactions cost me. I don't want to give you a reaction. I just want this to be over. A lot of stoicism, a lot of gray rocking, a lot of blank stares in arguments or in ruptures. And that can be really deleterious to a relationship, especially if you have an anxious partner, because anxious folks are showing their emotions. They're wearing their hearts on their sleeves. And for you to be stoic and not be showing them anything and not be giving them anything, it's really hurtful to them and they internalize it. I'll do a whole nother episode on the anxious avoidant relationship dynamic, often called the anxious avoidant trap. But I don't think it's a trap because I have created a beautiful relationship from it. And I know a lot of people have created beautiful relationships, even though they started in these really insecurely attached, anxious, avoidant places. So some other characteristics of a person with avoidant attachment would be they are emotionally distant. They may zone out when you're talking to them. Or they may be doing other things as you're talking to them and not really giving you the emotional vulnerability or the emotional connection that you are desiring. Oftentimes it's just because they are not as in touch with their emotions because they've gotten so used to the numbness that they've worked so hard to create. It's more difficult to get the emotional intimacy out of them than it is to get physical intimacy out of them. They struggle with vulnerability. I can totally relate to this. There were times where My husband would ask me really, really vulnerable, really tender questions, and my mind would almost go blank. Like I just couldn't, it was almost like a door that I didn't have the key to in my brain. And it took a lot of introspection, a lot of work to kind of break the lock on that door and be able to meet him in these vulnerable spaces. But avoidant folks really struggle with vulnerability, really struggle with emotional intimacy, and even understanding why they need to be emotionally vulnerable with someone else just like anxious folks may struggle with settling for physical intimacy over the real emotional intimacy they crave avoidant folks are more likely to substitute physical intimacy for emotional intimacy because they just don't know it's just not conscious that they desire emotional intimacy but Emotional intimacy is a human need. Vulnerability with others is a human need. So they are self-reliant to a fault. find it very difficult to ask for help. I think about the viral meme where the guy is moving the sofa and half of the sofa is in a computer chair and the other half of the sofa he's holding. And the caption is like, is it hard for you to ask for help? yes. It is very difficult for folks with an avoidant attachment style to ask for help. And oftentimes I've seen where they will even openly look down on other people for asking for help. That stems from them not feeling like they have the same access to help. Them viewing asking for help as a weakness, them viewing not being able to handle everything that life is throwing at them as a weakness or as a fault. One of the beautiful things about avoidant attachment styles and and can really disarm it pretty quickly, we just want to know that we're doing a good job. And that's partially where that self-reliance comes from. Because if we know that if I do it myself and it turns out well, then I know that I did it myself. And I it it adds to our self-esteem a little bit. The success could have been greater if we had reached out and been in collaboration with someone. But when you are in the throes of that attachment style, you're just like, nobody can do it. Like I can do it. I'm just going to do it myself. I don't want to ask for help. And sometimes we'll even openly deny help if someone comes along and and asks us, do we need it? And people with avoidant attachment styles prefer independence. It really scares them. I, I talked about it at the top of the explanation of they are afraid of commitment it really scares them to think about quote-unquote being tied down or thinking that they're going to lose their identity in a relationship or their life is going to be somehow altered permanently because of the relationship there's a lot of room for resentment if an avoidant person feels like they are not able to be who they want to be inside the relationship Sometimes they can distance themselves from their partner in an effort to feel that independence that they need. So how some of this can look in romantic relationships is an over-reliance on sex, which would be physical intimacy or sexual deeds instead of emotional intimacy. So they avoid that deep emotional intimacy by any means necessary. So it may be that after sex, they get straight up And leave or they go immediately take a shower if they're like a live-in partner they really struggle with closeness and dependency they often look down on folks who they perceive as dependent or clingy and they also end relationships more frequently to maintain their autonomy so this can look like you being over somebody in a few days even though you were with them for years and they end the relationship because they fantasize about getting that autonomy back, even though that autonomy and that constant distancing from close relationships creates a profound sense of loneliness. Avoiding people are very much the guilty until proven innocent crowd. They think, I'm not going to get in a relationship because whoever it is, they're just going to try to tie me down. They're just going to try to impinge on my autonomy. I don't want to deal with the things that come with the relationship, right? They have this very narrow view of what a relationship will take from them. And I use that verb intentionally. They think a relationship will mostly take from them. Very, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. But in healing that attachment style, you realize that relationships are actually full of beauty and there are ways to navigate the relationship with your partner when your attachment system does get activated for you to be able to create a safe enough environment that you can step away and then still return to that love to that closeness to that intimacy okay and last we have fearful avoidant or disorganized I will call it disorganized from here on out And the disorganized attachment style is a mix of the anxious and the avoidant attachment style. And which one comes out depends on a wide array of variables like who your partner is, what their attachment style is, what activated your attachment system in the moment. So folks with disorganized attachment style desire close relationships, but are really scared of trusting others fully due to past hurts and this can be pain from childhood perhaps it was abandonment perhaps it was neglect perhaps it was abuse perhaps it was a past romantic relationship that was really really abusive in one way or another or several ways they have that desire to get close all of the attachment styles do but they're wary of trusting others so they have that desire to get close just like the anxiously attached folks, and, but they're scared of trusting other people, just like the avoidant folks. They have mixed feelings about close relationships, so they may really, really value them, or they may feel like being in a relationship really hinders them from being their authentic self. It's very hot and cold. Never leave me. Get out of here. You know, like that is the energy of disorganized attachment style. And disorganized and anxious typically are the people who reach out for help, I've found the most, because these attachment styles can be very painful. Every time a relationship doesn't work out, it starts to feel like a failure. Whereas with avoidant folks, we have more of the blinders on it's easier for us to attribute the relationship failure to external circumstances than it is to maybe I shouldn't have did that. Maybe I shouldn't have been this way or that way. I'll talk more about healing each style in a separate episode. Another characteristic of the disorganized attachment style is they are deeply, deeply afraid of getting hurt. Of course, we all can have some fear around getting hurt, but This colors the entire relationship for folks with disorganized attachment style. They are constantly on high alert for ways that you may hurt them. And that can come out in overly controlling behaviors, a lot of jealousy. At the same time, they can have very extreme behaviors like constantly breaking up with you, constantly threatening to break up with you maybe packing their bags and really posturing like this is the last time you're going to see them only to kind of collapse in your arms or collapse on the couch and, and cry. Like having a disorganized attachment style takes a lot out of you. It can be a very painful attachment style to see play out in relationships. And they also have difficulty trusting others. So I think All of the insecure attachment styles can have difficulty trusting others. But because the disorganized attachment style has the anxious flavor of distrust and the avoidant flavor of distrust baked in, it can be extremely difficult to navigate building trust in your relationship because your brain is constantly scanning for examples and reasons to snatch your trust back. So how a disorganized attachment style can manifest in relationships is they oscillate between closeness and pushing away. And this is all in an effort to protect themselves. They do have that high need for closeness or typically can't have that high need for closeness like an anxious attachment style, but then they can begin to be afraid because they identify relationships kind of as a roller coaster, like, oh, if it's good now, it's going to go bad. So let me get ahead of it. And so then they will push you away to try to preempt or preempt the badness or protect themselves from kind of the drop, the other shoe dropping. Of course, like I said earlier, they struggle with trust and communication because their feelings can be very intense and unpredictable it's hard for them to communicate what is happening and what is going on and why it's happening and also they struggle with trust because they their idea their schema of a relationship has been colored by past trauma and past relationships to the point that they think this is how relationships go going to be good for a while and then you're going to hurt me. So let me go ahead and look for how you're going to hurt me so that way I see it coming. And they can also experience conflicting emotions. This is kind of one of the hallmarks of disorganized attachment is the as I stated earlier, you know, never leave me, get out of here kind of vibe where I want you here but I'm being mean to you or I Want you to go away, but I need some privacy, but I invited you over. And so, healing disorganized attachment style, one of the first steps is creating that emotional regulation. I think I could argue that that's the first step in healing any of the attachment styles, but for avoidant, I think emotional regulation looks more like getting in touch with the emotions. It's almost like for avoidant folks, We have to make a bigger mess with our emotions before we can clean it up because we first have to dig them all out of the holes that we've (laughs) buried them in in our brain and take a look at them and feel them and process them and understand, oh, so you actually have been really active in my life. I just thought I was controlling you. So those are the four attachment styles. Now, why does it matter? Why should you know your attachment style and know your partner's attachment style? I've alluded to it a bit earlier, but there are certain things you can look out for if you are an anxious person with an avoidant partner or an avoidant person with a disorganized partner or an anxious person with a disorganized partner two anxious people. Very rarely do you see avoidant and avoidant together because there's just not enough like intimacy glue to kind of hold them together so they orbit so loosely that very rarely does it stick together you should know your attachment style because it is your starting point in relationships it is the map it is the blueprint to what you need in relationships in order to feel good in order to feel loved in order to feel regulated And we need this starting point, even if you have an insecure attachment style. It's also good news that 50% of the population is securely attached. But for the 50% of us that have a starting point of an insecure attachment style, we need to shift to secure. And you have to know where you are in order to be able to read the map to start on the path to getting to secure. You also need to know your attachment style so that you know what you need in relationships. Anxiously attached folks need something totally different than avoidantly attached folks. And they need something totally different than disorganized attached folks. So while you are healing, knowing your attachment style can help you be happy in the relationship that you are in or the relationship that you build in your healing process. It's also important to know your partner's attachment style because then you can figure out what they need in a relationship and how you can make them feel loved. And perhaps you're starting from a secure place or you get coached by me and you get to a secure place, but your partner isn't in a secure place, right? One secure person and one insecure person, studies have shown that the secure person will help pull the insecure person more towards security. So it's important for you to know your partner's attachment style so that you can help them feel loved, appreciated, cared for in the relationship. So thank you so much for listening today. The next few episodes, I'm going to do a deep dive into each attachment style, really what they look like, what they struggle with, what their core fears and core beliefs are. I'm really excited to do those, so look out for that. In the meantime, if you are interested in learning more about your attachment style, You can take the quiz at the link in my show notes. I made a free quiz for you all and it can give you a pretty good idea of your attachment style. Also, if you are ready to heal your attachment wounds and move from an insecure attachment style to a secure attachment style so that you can build and maintain the relationship of your dream, I would love to be your coach I'll put the link in the show notes of how to set up a call with me. We can talk about your attachment style and your goals and see if we are a good fit for each other. And we can start you on the path to embodying a secure attachment style so that you can attract the partner that you can build the relationship of your dreams with. Until next time, please take exquisite care of yourself and I'll talk to you soon.